Hello and welcome. This is Rami Yacoub, Executive Director of the Tahrir Institute for Middle East Policy, also known as TIMEP. Today I'm joined by Alicia Graypeck. Alicia is a researcher, an anthropologist, and a digital and human rights activist. Alicia, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Earlier this year, the Danish government revoked the residency permits of dozens of Syrian refugees living in Denmark. The decision was based on conclusions by the Danish Refugee Appeals Board that certain areas in Syria were safe for return. Dozens of refugees were told they only had weeks to return to Syria or to be sent to deportation camps. Alicia, considering your activism in that field and your ties to Denmark, can you tell us uh, more about the circumstances of the situation? Revoking the residencies of Syrian refugees is part of Denmark's racist and xenophobic move towards having a zero refugee policy, and it's sending a message that refugees are not welcome in Denmark. Uh, right now, hundreds more cases have been reopened for evaluation because Denmark is claiming that Damascus and surrounding areas are safe. Uh, this is mainly affecting women and the elderly, as men are usually given uh, different protection because of the risk of military conscription. It's also important to note that the report Denmark used to back up the finding that Damascus is safe directly contradicts the international consensus of the reality in Syria and has been widely condemned, including by 11 of 12 uh, cited experts in the report, saying that the findings misrepresented the data and their testimonies. So in February, uh, Denmark made the move to revoke hundreds of residencies at one time, which was not reported on in Danish media or in global media. Uh, Syrian refugees who got that notice were given a month to return to Syria or be detained in these deportation camps. It became imperative that the Danish public and international communities be aware of what was happening and that Syrian voices and not the politicians were at the center of the conversation. And this was the goal of myself and other activists in amplifying Syrian stories on social media. Yeah, and uh, we're really grateful for that work that you've been doing. And if you can tell us a little bit more about what is the importance of documenting these individual stories um, and how is that impactful? For years, uh, the Danish government has been acting under the radar for most Danish and international communities, and they've been passing increasingly harsh and discriminatory measures to get to this point. So documenting their stories has been incredibly important because there is a general lack of information about Syrian refugees and the reality they face back in Syria, but also along with the lives that they've built in Denmark. In Danish media, um, their portrayal of Syrians in Denmark is largely based on the government narrative um, as societal uh, problems uh, where they are dehumanized and villainized. In this portrayal, the media chooses not to share the accomplishments or stories um, that would help change this narrative. And because of that, um, these outlets have also been mostly unwilling to react to the policies that are forcing Syrians out of Denmark. So they haven't been sharing these stories. Yeah, um, it makes, it makes uh, absolute sense. And can you tell us a little bit more about like how has this decision uh, impacted Syrian refugees who are still living in Denmark? Like, tell us more about that. Well, documenting the stories of Syrian refugees um, is also helping the public remember that every single story is a person with life, you know, their life, their goals, accomplishments, and also the very real fears of what they have to return to in Syria if Denmark forces them to return. This is the threat of torture, imprisonment, and death, and that's a reality for them. Um, Syrian refugees in Denmark have described it as psychological torture, uh, constant stress and uncertainty, and altogether terrifying. 
whether they're from Damascus or not, Denmark is sending a, refu- uh, a message to all refugees that so they don't feel safe or welcome in the country. Um, even for those who are ultimately granted asylum, the battle isn't over. Like um, Rasha, for example, who was uh, a Syrian refugee whose residency was revoked, but then was ultimately granted political asylum after appealing, uh, said, I can count 200 cases from Damascus who are in the same situation. And we can say that Syrians are facing a lot of difficulties in such a situation, and they're going through psychological effects. I'm sure it's really terrible. Uh, Alicia, can you, looking ahead, what is the future of Danish refugee policy? in your view? Um, There's no indication right now that Denmark is easing up on their policies, and in some cases they've even doubled down. Um, But there has been some response from the Danish government to the worldwide backlash. Um, An example that comes to mind was in June, uh, when the UN Refugee Agency commented on these asylum policies for undermining, demonizing, and punishing refugees, rather than protecting them. Um, And the Ministry of Immigration and Integration wrote a letter trying to defend these policies. Um, I would also really like to point out that in several of these court cases, uh, the Refugee Board has reissued asylum to Syrians uh, whose voices have been in the international media, uh, sharing their stories and speaking out against the Assad regime. So in those cases, it's imperative to amplify their voices and keep them in Denmark. Um, It's a long road ahead, uh, but more and more people are speaking up. Uh, and we need to continue to put this pressure on Denmark until they reverse these policies and all Syrians are safe in Denmark. Thank you, Alicia, for the work that you and your colleagues do. Um, Keep it up. Uh, We're all grateful for it. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you.